Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and Minnie. How are you this morning? Yeah, I'm pretty good. You're pretty good? Yeah. Yeah. Went to bed too late, but woke up nice and early. It's, it's actually lovely when you wake up, just because. When you say you went to bed too late, what does that mean? Oh, no, way too late. It was like a solid after 11. Oh, that's not good when you're doing. That's not good when you're doing breakfast radio. Yeah, no, but I'm actually alright. Like some days it's weird. I'm so so. I know your alarm clock went off at four. No, I got up. You actually got your alarm clock went off. Mm. Your first one, Mm. not the eighth one. No, no, the the first one. The first one, yeah. Tenth one. (laughs) Sixteenth one. Yeah, there's there's only about eight. (laughs) (laughs) Only okay. Notice the use of the word here. Only. Yeah, look. Minnie only has only has <laughs> eight I, alarms. But I got up with the first one. I just proceeded well. to forget to turn the rest off. No, I do a, on Friday morning. I have a small group um, prayer meeting at five thirty, which is nice because I yes. have to be up on Fridays. So I'm, I'm normally up by then anyway. But it was good. So you have a five thirty alarm. One of your eight alarms is the five thirty one, right? No, no, five twenty. Because okay. oh, okay. I won't always wear <laughs> Does anybody ever come to your early morning prayer bu- prayer group and they're still like, uh, uh, I think I'm here. There's been a couple. I feel like I'm normally the sleepiest, but yeah, there are a couple. <laughs> How are you feeling this way? What are you thankful for, Lyle? I'm thankful for friends who are not yeah. scared to turn up in the middle of the night, bang on the door and wake you up. You know that's real friendship. Yes. When they will and when you'll allow it. <laughs> That's right. When, when you send them a text message, we're going to bed now. Just bang on the door and wake us up when you get here. Because <laughs> their friends are sort of breezing through, you know, between Brisbane and Tasmania and um, leaving before we get back from radio. So it's yeah. like, well, there's only a chance we're going to get to see you guys. So That's a solid drive there, door. Wake us up at... 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. Nice. <laughs> Both feeling a little tired this morning. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Fantastic. Let's have some positively different news to start off our day. Oh, yeah, let's do that. So I actually thought this was really cool. Um, As most of our listeners, I feel, would be aware that we had some hectic bushfires over a year ago now. So in the Blue Mountains, pink flannel flowers, they're rare to find and scattered throughout only a few areas through the eastern parts of Australia, although variations of its kind are found, you know, Western Australia, other places in the world. But they're known as bushfire ephemerals because their seeds only germinate after fires. And oh, yes. they're only around for a few months. And so currently they're blooming in the Blue Mountains area from Katooma to Lithgow and further out. And it's just like just covering the area with this pink, which you just, yeah, you can't have unless there's been some hectic fires. Oh, really? Which I think is amazing. Um, Dr. Mark Uwe, I want to say, is a senior researcher at the University of New South Wales Centre for Ecosystem Science. And he's pointed out it's not that they're endangered, they're just rare and you may only only see these once or twice in your lifetime. And then only if you're either travelling through or from an area that has pretty well been decimated by bushfire. Okay, that's it. I'm going to the Blue Mountains. <laughs> I am on my way. I just think... I've got to see that. I love this though, right? That there's something in nature that there's so much beauty that can kind of only come after destruction. Yeah. You know? It's just like, how did this this actually work Mm. before sin? Yes, exactly. I want to know. I want to know the answer. I don't know, but I'd like to know. uh, Do you just have a hot day or... Well, so, but this this is the thing. They reckon it's not the heat... It's specifically the smoke which allows germination. 
So it's fascinating. Right? Like, how does that work? I don't know enough about science. Maybe you guys know far more about science than I do, which wouldn't be hard, <laughs> to be honest. But this is interesting, right? And I think I love object lessons. So I love this, that the times when I think, when I've gone through things that feel like the hardest thing, that you're like, this is just, this is just the worst. This is the end. Almost every time God does some work in my heart or in the situation where I'm like, man, there couldn't have been this beauty if not for that pain. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can still have beautiful things, you know. Uh-huh. I think nature is still beautiful. But there's something about the fact that, you know, when I came back to Australia um, and, you know, you had all this black, black, black tree stump and then they had the new growth of the green, that contrast, I'm like, you wouldn't get that if there hadn't been so much what looks like should have been totally dead, but it's not. There is so much beauty that in our world that has been created by the flood. Yeah. Ooh. Think about that. Yeah. All landforms mm-hmm. in the world, all landforms that exist, exist because of the action of water. Oh, true. All landforms. No, that's, yeah. And so you think about, you know, you take the action of water out of the equation, take the flood out of the equation. Mm. What would our world look like right now? Now, I'm sure that before sin, it was just absolutely gobsmacking amazing, but very, very different from what we have right now. Yeah. And we can appreciate so much beauty because of, well, the flood, Mm. the disaster. Absolutely. And I love this idea. I listened to a sermon once by a pastor in the conference here. Um, is he sir? Boris Jovanov. And I think it's something called God Doesn't Waste a Thing. And that's kind of more about your conversion journey and the stuff that's been in your past. But I just love that idea, right? That even with this flood, which we know was a direct result of actually a really bad situation where mm, there's this sin. Mm. God is such a God of restoration and redemption. He's like, I don't need to waste this. I will use it. That's right. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? And we're surrounded. Yeah. To, you know, you go to the Blue Mountains where you've got these flowers that are blooming because there was bushfires there and for no other reason than there was bushfires exactly. there. It's just, you know, but those Blue Mountains are made out of sandstone that is, you know, hundreds and hundreds of feet, feet thick that was made by moving water mm-hmm. that was hundreds of kilometres across. Yeah, harder. And then you've got, you know, it's dissected plateaus. It's not actually mountains. It's dissected plateaus. And those plateaus are dissected by the action of massive amounts of running water carving its way through Mm. that sandstone. Yeah, incredible, hey. So all of that beauty that you've got there in the Blue Mountains has come from destruction. Destruction. And God's gone, you know what, okay, we're going to have destruction. We (laughs) We have to have destruction. That's terrible, but I'm going to make the best of it. Yeah. And that's what God does in your mm, life. Yes. He's like, yeah, you've had some really horrid experiences. You made some terrible, terrible mistakes and terrible decisions. Mm. But I'm going to use that. I'm going to work with that. Yes. Oi, that's a message of hope. That is. Go, Boris. <laughs> okay. I have another story, which I, um, yeah, just had some empathy for this guy. So Trent Ferrier, he's a man who loved his outdoor and active lifestyle, but he was left a quadriplegic in a pretty much freak surf accident. He is now learning to walk again. Um, So basically his spinal cord was crushed but not severed, which meant that he has no feeling even now from his chest down. And during rehab he was warned it would uh, how impossible the likelihood of walking would be. Um, (laughs) He did say in coming home he and his wife may have chucked the OHS, like the Health and Safety book, a little bit out the window and he's like, we can push these boundaries. We can see what we can do. And he's tried to begin walking with a four-wheeler frame 
um, with the assistance of his wife with him. He said it's taken massive persistence and determination to achieve this. So five mornings a week, he gets up with his carer and his wife to build strength using walking frames, weights, hydrotherapy to control. This is what I find interesting to learn control of limbs that he cannot feel. So he said, even though he's learning to walk, it's not because he can feel what he's doing. It's just that he's learned to have your muscle memory developed to a space where, you know, when he tries to take a step, his leg doesn't just buckle out. He can move forward. And I was like, the body is amazing. You know, like how, how does this work? Because in my head, I'm like, if I'm walking, I want to know where I'm walking. I can feel, you know, is the ground like flat? Is it bumpy? Is it? Is there a stone under my foot? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and so he said that um, he doesn't have any feeling, including his hands and arms, so to, to you know, have the walker. Um, but he's learned how to do this. The accident happened, this is 2018, so this is a few years on yeah, wow. now. Um, he said, you know, they had just bought his first new car ever. It was a four-wheel drive. He was 60, and they were going to do a road trip all around Australia. But the Riverland community, which is where they live, they came together to fundraise after the accident to allow the couple to purchase a new van that can fit his wheelchair. So this was also I, – I love these sorts of stories. I mean, what a hard slog for him going from quadriplegic. You've had your active lifestyle, now you don't. That's a hard thing to lose. You know, I broke my ankle once and was off for six weeks and I had like an existential crisis of like, I'm never going to walk again. <laughs> you know, it was really hard. Yeah, absolutely. But I've never experienced this and it's amazing, yeah, the way that things, that doesn't have to be the ending again, you know. Mm. And and just the fact that he has a community around him who went, no, 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 we've got your back, we're going to do what we can, let's find a way to look after you. And he just said when he was in rehab, someone said, if you have more good days than bad, you're doing all right. And he's like, we've had more good. And I just think that's an amazing attitude. Like, we can choose that, right? We can choose that. We absolutely can. We absolutely can. That's fantastic. We're going to listen to... You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Talk about some uh, some more serious news this morning. We probably should mention Facebook because I mean that's kind of like what is dominating everything right now. And uh, these guys have effectively declared war on Australia and muscled in and like, okay, if you're going to charge us for um, the news content that we share, then we will give you a demonstration of our power and just show you how powerful we are. And they've called Australia's bluff. So uh, yeah, the local uh, Newcastle Herald with you know big front page uh, uh, titles that called them Facebook rather than Facebook, which I thought was kind of smart. But uh, let me see here. Um, so they've obviously they've taken down all news sites, supposedly, but they actually haven't. And this is what they've done. They've deleted, okay, all your major news sites. Along with that, they've deleted a whole bunch of emergency services sites. Oh. Which was not required by any stretch of the imagination. No one ever wants those kind. Of, and and particularly um, in Western Australia where they're having a massive bushfire season because when we have a wet summer, Western Australia has a dry summer and vice versa. So right mm. now Western Australia is having what we had this time last year. Yeah, yeah. Which is just smoke and fires. Um, and so the De- Department of Fire and Emergency Services in Western Australia, they deleted that one. You know, this is something that will cost lives. Yeah. 
They're not scared to take people's lives to go to war here. Um, and they also deleted the Department of, uh, sorry, the uh, Bureau of Meteorology, which is also one of the major sites that people go to in a bushfire crisis. Mm. Those are the two things that you're constantly checking all the time. You know, your Department of Meteorology, is there rain, is there wind, if there is wind, which direction, et cetera, et cetera. Boom, pulled it off. But you can still check it outside of Facebook, yeah? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But this is where a lot of people are used to going and they are are used to sharing information. Mm. Yeah. Just gone like that. It's a bit cheeky, isn't it? Cheeky? Mm. That's beyond cheeky. Now, here's what else they did. They dumped a whole bunch of businesses, like just dumped them off the website. Oh. And what they're doing there is they're basically sending a message of this is how powerful we are. Mm. We have you where we want you. We can control you because we can destroy you as a nation if we choose to do so. That's just, I mean, I don't have Facebook, but if That's I did, a massive power play. That would make me want to even more not use it. Oh, absolutely. Because I'd be absolutely. like, don't I'm you like, tell me that this oh, is how things will go. I have no idea. I'm like, <laughs> let's just ditch the whole thing altogether. Don't stop here, government. Just, just get rid, rid of, of Facebook altogether. There are plenty of alternatives. And some people are saying, well, you know, this is an attack on free speech and so forth. No, it's not. There's plenty of other alternatives. You can, mm. you can, other places you can share information. Mm. You know? It is annoying when that is your used to. For space. sure it is, but just, but yeah, you can just adjust. evolve. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we, as human beings, our brain rewires itself and go to a different platform. There are lots of different platforms where you can, um, where you can, you know, share information. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so somebody just texted in, I don't get it. Why is everyone having a freak out as if Facebook is a place to get news or info? <laughs> this is a very valid point. Why wouldn't you go to a news service? Okay, now here's what else Facebook did. Okay, so for a long time they've been banning anybody who has and, and deleting anybody who posts um, anti-vax information and a whole slew of mm. uh, far-right groups have um, been banned from Facebook. We are, what, two, three days from the vaccination rollout here in Australia and they just re-registered them all. What? Yes. I don't trust these guys, <laughs> yeah. not a bit. This is, the, this is the greatest purveyor of fake news on the planet and we are all losing our minds that uh, they're getting ditched. Okay, let me just keep reading this text from here. Just go to the organisation's website. For crying out loud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go you. I think this is great. It should continue. Ban the rest of Facebook too. Wipe the whole thing. Would be amazing to be country that is Facebook free. <laughs> Isn't China Facebook free? Don't know. Haven't been there. Iran oh. is. I'm so sure. I mean, again, Went when to I was Iran, in India. No Facebook? Yeah. And she and was like. I, I survived my entire time there oh, without yeah. Facebook. I don't think I've amazing. ever traveled with. Oh, no. Maybe I have once. I've traveled once with Facebook, I think. I think I've probably had Facebook when I've got back and put stuff up. Yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah. It's kind of nice, not, <laughs> so not. I think it's just. Yeah. Okay, but this is this is just my opinion, my thoughts on it. Yes. Um, and, you know, it it has become a major part of our life. It has become a major part of how a lot of people, um, how a lot of people find and deal with information, but also for sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I, I can see that there would be a lot of people out there. I mean, there are so many church services that are on Facebook. Is that going to be affected? Are they going to be targeted? Mm. You know, does that come under the definition of news? And when you see the power 
of a private company that can hold an entire nation to ransom. Mm. And, you know, they're going to reverse a lot of this. They've already reversed their stuff on emergency services and so forth, and we get that, right? Mm. They were just showing it was just a display of power. Yeah. was all it was. It's like this is what we can do. This is the potential. If you get us upset, we'll pull out. Mm. There was an interesting uh, statement here from, um, who was this person? Let me write it down. Mrs. Inman Grant, who is the e-safety commissioner. She says, I'll give you an example of why I think we need to hold them to account. She said, I had Facebook executives in the office last week and they said, why do you keep criticising us about moving Messenger to -to end-to-end encryption? I said, because I've been asking you for 18 months one question. What are you going to do to ensure that child sexual abuse material is not traded on that platform? They won't tell me what they're going to do to keep children safe. I give them suggestions. What about homomorphic... I don't know what that word is, encryption tools and behavioural signals. They won't commit to that. that. They can target advertising with deadly precision. Mm. They should be able to target child sex abuse material. Of course they can. Totally, of course. Of course they can. Look, you know the thing is... So the question is, sorry, yeah, why aren't they? Yes. What's, what's, What's going on here? Yeah. You know, you hear these conspiracies about big cabals of, you know, uh, powerful people that are involved in child sex abuse around the world and child trafficking, and we're like, oh, yeah, that's all a conspiracy theory. Stuff like this? Yeah. It's like, why won't you act on it? Yeah. What's going on there? And that, that's one topic that makes me really angry. Oh, like, makes my I, I think we've boil. said that before, and This right? is why I'm yeah. like, just ditch the whole thing. Yeah, do it. Australians will evolve. We will find other ways of yeah. having free speech. And sharing the gospel and sharing Jesus and sharing whatever the message is that we want to share. We will find ways. We are human beings. We are intelligent. We will always evolve. We used to have MySpace and now we live quite <laughs> fine without it. We all used to have Internet Explorer and now but nobody uses it. Yeah. Right? And this is COVID actually taught us this, right? That yes. the thing we thought normal was we can function with We can find a new normal. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Well, joining us on the phone this morning is one of the most truly decent people you will ever get to meet. Uh, welcome to the show, Keith Stockwell. Hi, Lyle. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, good. Good to uh, have you on the show, Keith. Keith, I'm going to I'm going to start this um, this interview just slightly backwards because I want to introduce you to you, to our audience, and you've just recently moved to our area here in the Newcastle area because, of course, uh, the breakfast show comes out of Newcastle. Um, what I just want to ask you to begin with, what's your current role and job? What are you actually doing here in the, uh, in the Newcastle area? Well, I've been appointed the uh, new pastor for the Windale Church plant uh, and also... My other role that I play is the Adson Director, which is Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island Ministries Director. That's uh, they're the yep. two roles that I'm currently have. That's fantastic. And, of course, uh, you're an Aboriginal person yourself, an Aboriginal pastor, and so we are super excited to have you in the area. Um, Keith, whereabouts does, whereabouts does your family come from? What part of Australia does your family come from? come from uh, Narrabri, which is north west of uh, Newcastle, up between Gunnedah and Moree, or people may know Tamworth and Morse just up around that area. And what kind of country is that? 
That is the Gomorrah people. They're, they're the, um, the traditional custodians of that part of the country. Nice, nice. And uh, you've recently been ministering in that region between uh, Narrabri and Moree, is that correct? Yeah, yep. I uh, ministered in Narrabri for two years and then i done a year at Moree before I got the call to come down to uh, Newcastle. So was it uh, was it good to be able to be up there amongst uh, your own people, your own family, I guess, uh, in in that region? Yeah, it had its, it had its uh, pluses and minuses. I suppose a lot of people know me from the past, uh, growing up there as a young boy. So they knew my youngness, um, the silly things that I'd done as a young fella. But also, um, it was good ministry to folk and. Um, and sharing that uh, what God has done in my life over the, the years that I've been away from now, mm, mm. And um, so let's go back to your, you, you mentioned, you know, um, you grew up there and a lot of people knew your past, knew your background. Uh, the, Jesus, Jesus did say that, you know, a prophet is not without honour except mm-hmm. in his hometown. Um, That's right. Tell, tell, us about, tell us about your childhood. Tell us about your growing up and uh, tell us about how you came to Jesus Christ? Well, in my family, um, the Adventist uh, message had always been there. Um, my grandmother originally came come from from the Dungari clan, um, which is up at um, Kemsway, Bellbrook, uh, where I believe the first Aboriginal Adventist church was erected in Australia. Um, so it started there, but then coming over to Narrabah, my nan, um, well, she, she met a, a man over there and married him that and had more children beside my mother. Um, but as a young fella growing up, I, um, I was introduced to the Lord at around about, oh, I'd say five, maybe six and, and onwards, um, my mother was baptised in the Narrabah Church. As a matter of fact, all, all my nan's uh, children were baptised in the church in Narrabah. Um, my grandmother was the very first baptism in the font there in Narrabah as an Aboriginal person. Uh, so growing up as a young fella, I uh, got the opportunity to go to church and mum was very um, diligent about that. She she wanted her kids to, to learn respect and to... And to have some type of hope. Um, at the same time, I, I, I used to like going to church. It was really fun meeting all these other little kids and and getting to play with them. But the thing with me, as I grew older, I I started questioning things about Jesus, who is Jesus, and how come I can't see Jesus. Um, so that they were little questions on my mind, and and my mother sort of got me enrolled with, with uh, the old pastor at the time was Pastor Harold Edmonds. He's passed away now. Um, he was my pastor and mum mum had a word to him and, and asked him, you know, would he would he be happy to take on Bible studies with me? I started doing Bible studies around about 12, 13. Um, and I, I actually liked them. I was, I was enjoying them at, at the start asking a lot of questions about heaven, about Jesus, to the pastor. And, and he had, at the time, seemingly good answers to my questions. But 
as as a thirteen year old boy, and a lot of us men were thirteen at at some stage, and they are the, the beginning of high school years. And yeah, as a young person, I started making my own decisions, and 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 you, you start having your own thoughts about things, and. I said to my mum, I said, Mum, I said, I don't know if I want to do Bible studies. I'm just not sure about what I'm doing. As I look back now as a, as a man, I look back at that as a big mistake in my life, what I've what I done there. So I basically pulled away from, from Bible studies and and, um, and ultimately down the track, I, I started pulling away from the Sabbath. You know, I didn't didn't understand the Sabbath as much back then, uh, but I knew enough that it was a day that we had to go and worship Jesus because Jesus wanted us to worship Him on that day, and and it was a day because we were all meat eaters back then. Um, it was a day when you go to potluck, you always had vegetarian meals, which were great because they were nice and healthy food and lovely. Um, but this this is the time when I when I, when I just pulled away from. From, from church and I started not going and started hanging with my mates more so on the weekend uh, especially Saturday uh, Saturday was the it day everything was happening sports and whatnot. and slowly I, I, I dwindled away from the church and it just became a, a phase in my life I suppose where I went through and um, and I just didn't sort of think about it from there but but from that, that point, Lyle, my, my life started on the downhill decline. I, um, as I got older, I think, at, at the, actually at the age of 13, I tasted my first bit of drugs. Um, my cousin came from Sydney and he introduced me to it. And um, I had that and um, that, that was a, a different experience for me at the age of 13. As I got older, I, I sort of went away from the drugs there. That was the first time I sort of went, no, nah, I don't want to do that anymore. But that taste was there. And um, as I got older, to the age of 15, 16, I, I started, um, mum started allowing me to go out to the drive-in uh, theatres back then. It wasn't the, the, the cinemas. We had the drive-ins where you can drive in and park the cars and that. But mm-hmm. so me and mates used to go to the drive-in and, uh, you know, we'd, We'd buy alcohol, get someone old enough to buy alcohol and, and whatnot. And we'd done all that. Uh, but as I, as I got older, that intensified in my life. Um, I started drinking more. By the, by the age of 30, I was drinking more than I should be uh, a week. Um, I, think, uh, I think I had a big problem. Um, Especially with drugs too, I couldn't have one without the other. Um, plus smoking cigarettes and and all that. But the thing is, Lyle, I remember one experience um, when I was um, at home by myself, and um, uh, and, I, and I, I took some drugs, I, I bought some, and all of a sudden this, this voice just came into my head, and and it was just telling me, you know. Um, if you keep on this track, you will surely die. Mm. <laughs> and for me, it was like, it was like death is something I just couldn't comprehend. Um, I think even as a Christian man today, I don't like the, I don't like the idea of death. I don't think any I of us do. Uh, that, 
<laughs> but um, I think, uh, you know, it is ultimate if, if Jesus don't come soon. But um, so the thing is, is that um, I remember laying in bed and I just got so freaked out about that and I pulled right away from drugs. I just pulled back and, and just stopped taking it. Um, and I think that's when all the paranoia started coming for me with that. But um, back in, I used to care for my mum and dad. I'd, I'd stay, stay with them, live with them and care for them. And dad passed away in 2001, 2001, 2002. Um, it was actually on New Year's Day on his birthday, so, or the day after his birthday. Mm. But, um, but mum passed away in 2006 and, and this is where it hit home, that I'd lost both parents. All my siblings were, were living elsewhere and um, I, my mum just died and I remember going to mum's funeral and I, I remember saying to the party and I was pretty numb. I was pretty numb. I, I, just, I was so lost in, in thought, you know, what, what am I going to do? I've lost my mother, and um, and I remember uh, speaking to the the minister who took the funeral, and most folk may know him, Johnny Merrison. Um, he was he was the funeral guy. He took the funeral for mum. He, he he took the funeral, and I remember at the the wake, I um, I knew him, Johnny because I'd seen him vaguely one time. Come he came to mum's home and. And I thought it was at the back having a few beers with some mates and I thought of seeing him through the, the back door, but I didn't go out to him. But uh, I remember going to him at the wake and, and I, I approached him and I said, brother, I said, um, you're, you're the pastor in Sydney, aren't you? And um, he said, I am. And um, I said, look, I said, um, I said, I've done a lot of things in my life. I said, and, and a lot of things that I'm not really happy about. I said, I, I walked away from the Lord at a young age. I said, but brother, I I want to. I want to find Jesus. I want to find this guy Jesus because I remember as a young boy. I remember my mum, my nan would always say, you know, whenever you're in trouble, and and whenever you're not in trouble, always look for Jesus. And uh, I remember that. And um, I searched out and, and I asked him, and I said, brother, where's the best place I can go for this? And he said, well, he said Mount Druitt doors are always open. He said um, you're more than welcome to come over and, and we can start talking. But when I got home from the funeral, that discussion disappeared and it took um, another two years after mum's death, so 2007, 2008, two years, alcohol and drugs intensified in my life. I, um, if, I, if, I, if I had the, the money, I would have been drinking every day. Uh, I, was, I was deep in depression. I remember many times I'd lay in bed at night, and um, and I'd be I'd be up all hours of night, and you know just drinking beer and until I've got none left and, and smoking that. And I'd lay in bed, and and then I started this conversation with God, and I used to ask Him if you know if you're real, you know, you know I I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to be a part of this world because. I don't see the picture of what my life is. This, this is not what my life should be. Um, I'm a young man or a youngish man, and um, and my life, I've, I've wasted so much of my life uh, on, on, on worldly things, uh, especially alcohol and drugs, and I used to just plead to God to, to take me while I'm asleep. I didn't want to die 
in the daytime and knowing I'm going, I just wanted to go in my sleep. And um, the good news is that God didn't want to do that. He didn't want that. He wanted more for my life. And um, I remember um, I was I was coming home from work one day and I, I went to my sister's place who recently passed away now. But I went, I went to her place to pick her up to take her to the shop to grab a few groceries and that she wanted to get a few things. And I, I grabbed a few bottles at the bottle on my way home from work and pulled up out the front. And um, as I got there, I, um, I pulled over and, and, and I, I looked in the front yard. She was sitting out in the front yard and she had this lady there talking to her. I thought, oh, should I go in and that? And I thought, oh, well, I left my bottle in the car. Normally I'd grab my bottle and take my bottle in and have a drink there, but I thought there's a lady there. I don't know who she is, so I'll leave in the car. And I walked over, and, and as I was walking in, the lady walked out, and I introduced myself and that, and um, she went to shake me in, and I just said, oh, no, I've got my hands dirty. I've just got home from work. They're all dirty and grotty, and that. She said, no, dirty hands mean a good hard work and Worker, and I said, okay, we shook her hand, and that, and, and we had a bit of a bit of a chat, and um, she was a seven day Adventist lady, um, and um, that that was nice. So I thought, oh great, and, and and she encouraged me to go to church. You know, I said, you know, I'm searching out for things and that, and apparently I asked her her age and all that sort of stuff, but um, that was a rude thing to do. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, but back then I was having a few beers. It didn't really, didn't really matter. But anyhow, um, she went and then I took my sister and that and I got talking and she said, oh, she's an Adventist and that. She, she's just um, come around talking about God and all that sort of stuff. So, oh, that's nice, sis. And that, and then I, um, the following weekend, I was at home with, with a good mate of mine and we were sitting out the back having a few beers and that. And this is like nine o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, I, used to, I was very, very happy to have a beer at 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, whatever time I, I woke up, I'm happy to have a beer. Um, but we were sitting at the back, and, and I remember the knock on the door, and my cousin came and said, Uncle, there's um, Pastor Johnny's out the front, you know, he's, he's looking for you. And I said, oh, nah, just tell him I'm, I'm not available, I'm not here. Um, and I see the devil there straight away. But, um, but um I decided, well, I'll, I'll go out. And I went out, and, and I, I was red-eyed. You can see that I'd been intoxicated. Um, and he just looked at me, and he just said, Keithy, Keithy, Keithy. He said, <laughs> brother, do you believe in salvation? Oh. And I, and, and, and I just stood there for a while, and my mind, my, it seemed like for a long time. And um, and um, I said, yeah, brother, I believe. I believe that Jesus came and died for me, and, that even though I still didn't really hardly know Jesus, um, uh, but I believe it, Johnny. He said, "Let's pray." And we sat down on the on the porch of my veranda, and he put his arm around my shoulders, cuddled me type of cuddle, and he just um, had a prayer, a lovely prayer. And um, and when he finished the prayer, and anyone who knows Johnny, he just got up. He said, "Keithy, I'll see you at church next Saturday." <laughs> so nice. he jumped in his four wheel drive and took off. Oh, blow this guy, wasn't he? He's a bit of a smarty. And, um, but I'd been already questioning myself, Lyle, on the, at this stage, you know, should I get back to church and that? And I actually went to church. I, um, I, I enjoyed the day. I, I felt, um, I felt really, at first I felt uh, misplaced. I thought, here I am at church with a lot of people that have 
connected to Jesus and that they're, they're doing all the right things in life and that. And, and I know that we're all sinners and and we we, we are far from from God in that sense. Um, our, our sins are, yeah. Yeah, Keith, I'm wondering whether I can just uh, jump in here for a moment. And we, uh, we're we kind of running out of time. I'm wondering whether I could get you to just um, stay and hold. We're going to have um, to head off to the news here in a minute, but I really want to hear the rest of this story. This is a fascinating story of what God has been doing in your life. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.